Hello, I'm Gavin Giovanoni, and I'm doing this MS Selfie podcast in response to an email query I had from somebody with multiple sclerosis uh, about uh, a yellow fever vaccine. So this particular individual was planning to travel uh, to an African country uh, to visit and to go on a uh, safari, and uh, she's on an anti-CD20 therapy. She was on ocrelizumab and subsequently was switched off a tumumab, and she was told um, by the vaccine agency that she couldn't have the vaccine because she her immunity because she's on immunosuppressive therapy and because the yellow fever vaccine is a live vaccine it's contraindicated and as a result um, the the medic at the vaccine uh, agency told her that she should uh, not travel to uh, Africa because she'd be putting herself at, at risk um she was quite frustrated because she couldn't get the money back. She'd really paid for this. And the trip was meant to be uh, to go out with her family to celebrate her big birthday. Uh, and the insurance company had a clause that it would not cover people who did not have the relevant vaccine. So she's been left high and dry. And she asked me what I would advise. And I said to her that, uh, you know, yellow fever vaccine is not mandatory. She'd get a letter from a GP saying that she doesn't need it. But then she'd obviously have to take the chance herself of developing um, uh, yellow fever if she got bitten by a mosquito that carried the virus. Um, the important thing about yellow fever, though, it's seasonal. It only really occurs in the rainy season. And the rainy season in Africa is generally between January to April. Occasionally, it starts in, in December. Most of the infections occur in, in January to April. So if this particular individual was going to be very cautious and avoid being bitten, you know, use uh, insect repellent and, and try not to leave her skin too exposed, she may reduce her chances of getting bitten. And the type of mosquito that typically carries yellow fever is the Aedes aegypti mosquito. And this is a daytime bite. It typically bites in the early morning, you know, sunrise, and in the late afternoon, and it doesn't really bite during the middle of the day or in the evening. So, you know, she could de-risk herself for that. <clears throat> but she came back to me saying the travel clinic, you know, the vaccine agency was adamant that she shouldn't go to any countries with yellow fever as it would take uh, only one mosquito for her to um, uh, have a fatal consequence. I think that's a little bit um, too dramatic because she has had a vaccine in 2005. Uh, and so she may still have some immunity although this particular individual said to her vaccine immunity would have waned by now. I'm not sure about that. Um, uh, I think this actually highlights uh, a really important point. And this particular individual, uh, she uh, works or runs a, um, a big global charity, and she's been responsible for projects in Africa and South America, and she has visited these projects um, in the past, and she's very frustrated now because she feels she's unable to go to these areas because of the fact that she doesn't have yellow fever immunity. And I think this is a an issue, because, and she's quite upset by the fact that her neurologist and MS team didn't tell her about this issue <laughs> when they initiated her or advised her to go on to an anti-CD20 therapy. So she's very frustrated about that issue. You know, from my personal perspective, it's clear that vaccines, particularly travel vaccines, are a big issue when, when it comes to chronic or maintenance immunosuppressive therapies. And this is one of the reasons why I'm such a prominent uh, advocate of recommending immune reconstitution therapies. These are those 
pulse therapies that deplete your immune system for a short period of time and allow the immune system to reconstitute. And when it comes back, you can actually fight infections and mount vaccine responses. And these include alumtuzumab, cladribine, and HACT. So, you know, people having those treatments, uh, once their immune systems have recovered, can have vaccines, even live vaccines, uh, safely. <laughs> um, but it's also important that uh, you de-risk vaccines before people start these treatments. So it's on my list of things to discuss with patients uh, prior to that. And um, um, I would like to refer you to an old MS selfie case study from January of last year, uh, where I discuss why cladribine and immune reconstitution therapy is a better option uh, in a particular case than oculizumab, and it's all about vaccines. A little bit about yellow fever. This is a, potentially can be a very severe viral infection. It's usually quite short duration. You know, Typically, you get bitten by the mosquito, and you, a few days later, you develop fevers, chills, loss of appetite, nausea, muscle pains, myalgias, uh, and headaches is a typical viral infection. And the symptoms usually start to improve within about four to six days. Uh, however, in a small number of people, about 10 to 15%, you develop a um, abdominal pain and a hepatitis inflammation of the liver and you become jaundiced and that's what gives you the yellow skin color and that's why it's called yellow fever. And this liver failure can be quite severe and it affects clotting factor production and you can have uh, bleeding complications and often the kidneys are affected and you go into renal failure. And, uh, and it's about half the people who develop uh, yellow fever, uh, hepatitis, uh, and die from the complications. And there are no treatments for yellow fever, so it's important to remember that. Now, the yellow fever vaccine is a live vaccine, so hopefully in the future the vaccine companies will move away from a live vaccine and make a, maybe a, a new component vaccine or an mRNA vaccine that does away with the live issue, and that's that'll be the first big innovation. Um um, but at the moment, we're left with the legacy live vaccine, and it's said to be relatively safe, but um, there are people reported to develop demyelinating conditions, typically acute disseminated encephalomyelitis, what we call ADEM. They can also develop Guillain-Barre, which is a demyelinating neuropathy, uh, and these incidences of myelitis occurring as well. Whether or not uh, yellow fever triggers MS is a mute point, and I think it's unlikely. I mean, most of the... Um, there's very few cases that have developed MS shortly after yellow fever vaccine, and it could be coincidence. Um, you know, as I've said before, when you get your first attack of multiple sclerosis, you often have the disease for decades before. So to say that the vaccine caused the MS is, is often difficult. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, this particular patient, not all may be lost. I mean, this particular patient may, patient may want to switch her therapy from an anti-CD20 to another treatment that allows it to have the vaccine in time to travel to uh, Africa. Um, but also there's a paper I found showing you that just one dose of the LFV vaccine, the immunity can last decades, even f up to 50, 47 years was the last longest uh, <laughs> patient. So she should actually go off to see a general practitioner or go to an infectious disease clinic and have a, her immunity to the vaccine checked you send off um, um, blood and you get your ser serology come back to see if she's got antibodies against the virus. And I think if she does have detectable antibodies in her blood, uh, she's likely to have persistent T-cell responses as well. She'll have antibodies and the risk then of getting yellow fever and severe must be very, very low. So I think she shouldn't um, you know, just accept that she can't go to Africa because she hasn't had a yellow fever, a yellow fever booster. Um, and I've actually put the paper in, in at the end uh, um, 
around this particular uh, study that was done. In the future, things may change. In the future, we may have antivirals that work against this group of viruses, but we also may have monoclonal infusion therapies. This will be passive immunization where we give people antibodies that neutralize the virus, and, and that will then protect vulnerable patients from getting yellow fever. And this is you know, this technology has come of age during COVID-19. We've had a lot of antibody therapies, and, and the newer ones are long-acting. And I know several companies that have now got platforms developing neutralizing antibodies against viruses to protect vulnerable people. I, didn't, I don't recall them having yellow fever on the list, but this is something they should consider. I'm trying to nudge them to develop neutralizing, uh, you know, passive immunization strategies against Epstein-Barr virus. This could potentially be a treatment for multiple sclerosis. Does yellow fever vaccines trigger the MS relapses? So there was this very influential paper that came out about 13 years ago from Argentina in a small number showing that it may increase your chance of having a relapse. However, in a much larger French study, it wasn't confirmed. So I think on balance, based on the size of the French study, we can be pretty confident that if you have MS and you have the yellow fever vaccine, it's unlikely to trigger a relapse, particularly if you're on a disease-modifying treatment. Um, what I have put in here is um, my figure from my MS Selfie website about the things we do in our practice to de-risk, uh, and it includes uh, quite a long list of vaccines. Um, so we don't only discuss COVID-19 and flu. We check everybody now for immunity to VZV, and I've started checking for measles, mumps, and rubella. And if people don't have immunity to these viruses, we offer vaccinations for them. In addition, I'm increasingly offering patients the option of upgrading the human, pap human, pap human papillomavirus, HPV, immunity as well. And I've done a specific MSLF newsletter on this, and I'll put the links uh, in the newsletter. And you can also uh, read about MMR vaccines as well uh, um, and the rationale why we offer vaccines to de-risk. There's some big news. So the Shingrex vaccine, which is GSK, GSK's vaccine against varicella zoster virus, this is a component vaccine, so it's not live, is now been licensed for all adults um, to start to have the vaccine before they start uh, immunosuppressive therapy. Um, and this is to reduce the risk of getting shingles. So this will be available in the UK from September. So we'll see people, particularly those going on to anti-CD20 therapies or S1P modulators, will not only be offered the pneumococcal vaccine, but the Shingrix vaccine uh, as well. In addition to this, we make sure you've had your flu and COVID-19 vaccines. These, as we know, occur in a seasonal window now. And, uh, you know, if you're in that window, you must have the vaccines before starting these treatments. If you're out the window, I don't delay starting this um, therapy to wait for people to get into the window when those vaccines are available. So flu vaccines are generally available from October to January. COVID-19 are not quite as seasonal yet, yet there, but they only become available when the new vaccines are out. And so um, um, it's important, though, if you haven't had your boost to COVID, check if you're eligible for the new vaccine and get it done before you start these treatments. There's no point having the vaccine after you start these treatments, particularly anti-CD20 therapies, as it blunts the vaccine response. Now, the other vaccines on the list have to be personalized, and that's based on the individual with MS. These include, for example, meningococcal vaccine uh, and the Haemophilus influenza vaccines, which are typically for children. Um, the meningococcal vaccine is now mandatory and part of childhood vaccination schedule. It's only indicated if you've missed out on the vaccine as a child 
or you're at high risk and you haven't had the vaccine. For example, you're a student living in uh, student accommodation in, close to other students, and if you go into the military, you know this is this is because the meningococcus is uh, spread very very quickly amongst young people in crowded conditions. <laughs> if you're an adult and you're not living in a high risk environment, I, you know we don't even discuss the meningococcal vaccine. Um, um, please be aware that there is this rise of vaccine hesitancy, and we're seeing increasing number of young adults who didn't get vac childhood vaccines because their parents didn't want them to have the vaccine. So you need to check your vaccine records, and if you haven't had the childhood vaccines, you should at least bring it up with your MS team, and you should potentially get your immunity upgraded before starting the treatments. This is particularly important for mumps, measles, and rubella because these are neurotropic viruses that can infect the brain. And you don't really want to be on an immunosuppressive therapy, particularly drugs like natalizumab that block trafficking of immune cells into the central nervous system and get an infection in the brain. You'll get really ill from that. So please, you have this opportunity before starting these treatments um, um, to be vaccinated. Now, this patient makes a very valid point about her team being found wanting for not warning her about the blunted vaccine responses uh, on anti-CD20 therapies. I suspect she started these treatments prior to COVID-19. I think since COVID-19, vaccine awareness has increased dramatically. And most MS neurologists, MS teams now discuss vaccinations with their patients before starting immunosuppressive therapies. And um, there's been guidelines that have come out around this. Um, and I'm hope I'm uh, I hope I'm correct, or, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can let me know by leaving a comment. Um, if you are on a, continu a continuous immunosuppressive therapy, particularly anti-CD20 therapies, where you offered vaccines and were, and were vaccines discussed with you before starting treatment, you know we can do a straw poll depending on your responses. Anyway, leave a comment, and I and I've put at the back bottom end of the uh, newsletter the Argentinian yellow fever vaccine study and the French vaccine study, and also the, the latest study showing you that the immunity to this vaccine, the yellow fever vaccine, can last a very long time. If you enjoy this and you can afford to pay and you're not a paying subscriber, please um, think about becoming a paying subscriber. Um, as I've said before, all the information in these newsletters is going to be copied onto a uh, onto the MS, into the MS Selfie microsite in a created, easy-to-read form, and hopefully over time it's going to develop into a really valuable resource for people with multiple sclerosis. Thank you.